Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast, this one on Tuesday afternoon, heading into the evening hours on this Tuesday, August the 17th, 2021. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined by Senior Team Reporter Charlie Potter, does an outstanding job for us covering the Crimson Tide on a daily basis as we continue to move through fall camp 2021, and Charlie's a little bit crestfallen on this Tuesday, because as we move through the foreseeable future, no media viewings for Charlie Potter and the BOL staff. Charlie, I mean, in all seriousness, this has been, as we talked about in the past, certainly during your time with us, certainly going back throughout my 18 years with BOL, this has been a central piece of our coverage, our team coverage at Alabama, and at least for the foreseeable future, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer. And I think the real shame is is we got a taste, right? I mean, we were out there for what two or three practices and then uh no more. And honestly, I think we were kind of debating whether we would even get viewing periods at all uh going into to fall camp and um I've been a strong advocate for that and we got a few, but um you know, I, I, they're going to shut it down for for now. I don't know if or when we'll be out there. I mean, I, I know that if Al, well, if when Alabama makes a bowl game uh, or gets to the, the college football playoff, the, the bowls and the, the playoff kind of dictate that. So we'll definitely be out there for that. But um, yeah, for the foreseeable future, no viewing periods. And, you know, I mean, you and I know that it's just a couple of periods, um, you know, from a, a larger two hour practice and, a lot of the stuff we see is intentional. Um, you know, things change after we leave. Guys go into black jerseys, but still, being back at practice and and being able to see things with your own eyes, it was it was good. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I like going to practice, even though I feel like we we waste a lot of time waiting around and waiting on those practices to start. Uh, it was good to be back out there and to to get back into the swing of things, but. For now, we'll we'll have to just you know take the the photos and the videos we get and, and hope for the best. Yeah, and just to be clear, I don't think every outlet out there, I don't think every reporter out there is truly an advocate for the media viewing periods. But as Charlie pointed out, he certainly has been as a uh, as a as a point of reference for BOL during his time. We have always been as a website very much a proponent of having that opportunity as limited as it might be. And again, with the factors in play that Charlie outlined for us there, uh, we'd love to see him come back at some point. It's kind of like Frosty the Snowman. Hopefully, 
hopefully it will come back someday. Just to be clear, though, this isn't like a Potter rule that's gone into effect, is it, that you know of uh, as far as the media viewing periods? Because if no. it is, I, I want us to put a plaque. I want BOL <laughs> to put a plaque somewhere over there by the facility if this is, in fact, the Potter rule. No, I don't. I like to think it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> and and again, like I, I think people know by now, like reading um, my practice reports on the side, I I try to to put as much context as possible. It it is hard. Um, you know, you're coming fresh off the practice field. You know, people don't have answers for maybe why someone's missing or something like that. But I like to think I do it the right way. Um, I can't speak for others, but. I don't think I'm the reason for it. If I am, uh, I feel bad because, like you said, I don't know how many other people are just, you know, uh, rare and ready to go out to practice every day. Well, if you are, Charlie, uh, you're you're the result of that due to the way that we've done things at Bama Online for, again, my 18 years. This is essentially how we've done it for all of Nick Saban's 14 seasons at Alabama. There hasn't been, I don't know of, a dramatic change in how we've gone about our reporting. So uh, we'll hope, we'll hope that eventually we'll get those back. For Charlie as much as anything else, Charlie needs that routine. It's a good routine (laughs) for Charlie. Hopefully we get it back soon enough. Um, On the recruiting front, Charlie, don't typically talk recruiting with you here on the podcast, but – but we did see a departure right before the start of fall camp in Kadarius Callaway. And on Monday evening, Alabama picked up a commitment from a three-star safety and Jake Pope from Buford High School over in the Atlanta area in the state of Georgia. Really nice-looking prospect. Had a chance to get into his tape a little bit. His highlight tape, anyway. Guy really impacts the game in all three phases. Play some wide receiver, can go get it. Nice ball skills at the safety position. Doesn't mind finishing with authority against the run. Uh, Instinctive guy, good athlete, return guy, uh, can also run back kicks. So another hit at the safety position. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday, how depth in the secondary continues to emerge, it seems. Uh, And when you look at the safety position, doing some math with Callaway choosing or needing to go to East Mississippi, uh, Alabama now with a couple of safety commits and Jake Pope and Antonio Kite. And I guess you got to consider, too, the flexibility Alabama has at that position right now as well. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the, the roster and you have Jordan Battle and DeMarco Ellums and Daniel Wright as the older players. And uh, Daniel Wright's a, a senior. Um, you know, he'll probably be gone after this year. A lot of guys can choose to come back, of course, because of COVID. But um, a lot of guys, you know, choose to move on. That's just how it is. And you only saw two guys take advantage of the role this offseason. And, and they're guys that are going to be filling big roles in Brian Robinson and, and Chris Owens. But back to the safeties, you, you think that probably two will leave this offseason with Daniel Wright and uh, Jordan Battle, a guy that's been you know, projected as a first round draft pick by a lot of mock drafts. Um, you know, Helms is a guy, I know you're big on him and if he has a big season could be in the same situation. So, um, you know, having two safeties in this class for now, at least, uh, I think that that's not surprising at all, given just looking at the, uh, the position right now, but there is some flexibility. Um, you look at just the newcomers that they added this off season, uh, you, you take Callaway out of the mix and really the only freshman, uh, true safety that they added was Kane Williams. We've seen uh, Devontae Smith move over there from corner to safety. He's really spent all of camp, I think, uh, working with the safeties. And then 
you know, you have returning guys in Brian Branch and Malachi Moore, uh, kind of in that same vein that you just talked about of uh, guys with flexibility that can move all over the place. Uh, Christian Story is an athlete as well. So there is good depth there, but just outlining where the position stands, um, it makes sense for Alabama to go out and get a second safety and try to bulk up that position for the future. Yeah. You know, and you consider this secondary as a whole and the potential just in terms of draft eligibles going into the 2021 season. If Jalen Armour Davis is your corner opposite Josh Job, he's a draft eligible to go along with Josh Job. And then both your corner or both your safeties, if you're anticipating, of course, Jordan Battle at one spot, DeMarco Ellums at the other. And you got draft eligibles at your your core defensive back positions now, Branch and Malachi Moore, they each have a, at least another year uh, to cover in, in their eligibility before jumping to the NFL. But absolutely makes some sense. And again, Jake Pope, good looking prospect from over in the Atlanta area. Now, on Tuesday afternoon or midday Tuesday, got to hear from wide receiver Slade Bolden and defensive lineman Justin Boygby. We've heard from Slade Bolden on occasion here in the last year or so. But a uh, sort of newcomer when it comes to the beat in Justin Aboigby. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, defensively, they've had some young guys on that side of the ball. So, um, you know, there's a lot of players that are going to probably be making their debuts throughout the course of the season. I assume we'll hear from you know Malachi Moore and Tim Smith and Brian Branch uh, over the course of the season. We've already heard from Will Anderson. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's some of these guys, though, that – They've been waiting behind younger players like Fidarian Mathis and LeBron Ray and, and others. And Boyby is one of those. I think he's been you know looking forward to coming up and as someone that is on all these Zoom calls and asks questions and everything and you know votes for the Media Good Guy Award that we give out at the end of the season. I, I like to hear that. And uh, I think he did a good job in his debut. Um, you know, nothing really groundbreaking. Um, you know, a lot of what he got asked was about the scrimmage, the defensive line in general, the depth there. Um, you're talking about Freddie Roach, and he did a good job. And um, you know, hopefully we'll hear more of from Justin you know, moving forward. And you're right about Slade. I mean, he's been a guy now ever since last season whenever he was kind of thrust into a, a more um, – or a bigger role on offense, you know, he's, he's been a guy that's come up pretty regularly. And uh, I don't think Slade really got asked any questions about himself much, but you would expect fresh off that scrimmage. He got a lot of questions about Bryce Young. Uh, he got a couple questions about Jamison Williams, the Ohio State transfer, who you know, I continue to hear good things about. And you know, I asked him about uh, just the return game and, and how that's coming along, working with those freshmen that, that Nick Saban mentioned. Uh, last week, guys like JoJo Earl and Ja'Cory Brooks and even the punters. And, um, you know, Slate has some interesting things to say. But for me, the, the big takeaway is, you know, what he said about Bryce, of course. Um, and, you know, he talked about how the wide receivers uh, are starting to improve their chemistry with him. And I think that's important because, yes, Alabama has a new quarterback, but they have, you know, seven other new starters around him that have to step up. And uh, Nick Saban said he wants to see more from the guys around him. They have to play better. And um, it sounds like the wide receivers are, are de- continuing to develop and improve and build that chemistry with their new quarterback. So, um, yeah, I, well, I don't want to say anything because we've been talking about, um, you know, things being cut, I guess, from the media uh, preseason schedule. But tentatively, we're supposed to hear from Bryce for the first time yep. later this week. So that'll be must see TV for a lot of Alabama fans. 
Yeah, in the wake of the uh, media viewing periods being snipped, that'd be a nice morsel for the beat, you know, to finally <laughs> yeah. hear from Bryce Young on Thursday. We certainly hope that'll be the case. And you said it with Slade and the offense, a lot of talk about chemistry and continuity and really at just about every level, every level of that offense up front at the quarterback position or receivers, running backs. There's really not an area of this offense that that's not applicable. And I'm a big Justin Abueby fan because, as you know, I always love the sort of underappreciated, under-the-radar guys. I waved that Anthony Jennings flag proudly for this three years or so that he was the guy at outside linebacker. Kind of feel the same way about Justin Abueby in that, He's often overlooked because, first and foremost, he's going to take care of the dirty work. I think some people, when they see Justin Aboy be out there either to start a game or early in a game, maybe they're a little bit surprised because he doesn't always show up in terms of flash. But I know he talked about this on Tuesday as well. Early downs against the run, this guy will always have a place near the top of the rotation because of what he's able to do there. Uh, when, when things aren't as, as I guess you could say, uh, as sparkly, you know, or as star studded or the, the sort of gotcha stats that you see. No. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that, um, I think that's a role that he's taken on well, is just, you know, being that run stopper. And that's something he said that he's really improved since his freshman year. And this is, again, this was the first time we've heard from him. He's entering his junior season. So, you know, getting just how he feels he's matured over the course of his career. You know, maybe some things he's worked on this offseason to improve going into year three. Um, and yeah, I think what he said that it doesn't come as much a surprise. And he is one of the the undervalued players. And I'll be the first to admit that I'm one of those people that overlooks him because when I do things like those most important player countdowns in the offseason and, and things like that, don't mention guys like uh, Justin Aboigby or um, you know Byron Young or you know DJ Dale, but those those three juniors have played a lot of football, and I think he's one of those guys that you could fit into the column of reliable players because you know what you're going to get, and he's going to do it on a consistent basis. And you know there are a lot of uh, defensive linemen that have come through Alabama that I think have kind of been on the back burner to some other players. I mean everybody you know paid attention to what. Christian Barmore did last year. Fidere Mathis had a big season. Everybody always or has questions about uh, LeBron Ray and his health. But you know those those third year guys usually uh, get forgotten a little bit. And um, I, I think Justin Boyby is going to be a big piece. It wouldn't shock me, like you said, to see him out there on the first snap against Miami and that season opener. And he's a guy I think of the players that are returning, he has the most starts from last season. And uh, I think that would surprise some people. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, though, there are a lot of these defensive players, especially that to get overlooked. I think one of the biggest ones is one of my favorite players to, to come through Alabama, both from a just watching him standpoint and you know what he uh, would do up with us in terms of interviews is Dalvin Tomlinson. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that Justin Aboibe is going to be like a Dalvin Tomlinson because, you know, over the course of his career, uh, Dalvin's a guy that started to develop a little bit of a pass rush, but he was known as that run stopper dalvin is just a an immovable object up front and just a, a ferocious beast with his hands and he's carried that over to the nfl but uh, if, if justin and we can get close to that and be you know that kind of player uh you know that would be pretty big for alabama yeah i think it's a it's a great call with dalvin tomlinson and i get into this rut sometimes where if a guy wears a jersey number the same as a guy that wore it a few years earlier, I automatically make that comparison, but I think it's applicable with 
Justin Aboibe and a guy like Damian Square from earlier in the the aughts, or excuse me, yeah, the the ten teens, I guess you could say, with Damian Square, and and he was that kind of guy. Wore ninety two, uh, impressive looking guy physically. Didn't flash all the time, but you know, Damian Square ended up in the league and may still be in the league eight, nine, ten he years is. now. Yeah, he so is. he's with the Browns right now. I could see Justin Aboigbe being that same kind of guy at the next level. So I guess you could say it was a glues day on Tuesday <laughs> with glue guys. I think Justin Aboigbe and Slay Bolden both qualify as glue guys, guys that sort of keep it all together for you and allow you to get to situations where you can really take advantage of some things on both offense and defense. We're going to take a break here on the Bama Online Podcast. When we come back, we'll talk with Charlie Potter about some newcomers. We'll update some newcomers looking ahead to the 2021 season. Newcomers to know with a scrimmage to go. That segment's coming up next on the Bama Online Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Tuesday evening August the 17th, 2021, Charlie Potter alongside once again. And, Charlie, let's get into the newcomers. And I guess we'll start on the offensive side of the ball because, well, that's where there seems to be the most opportunity for newcomers. And you've already mentioned Jamison Williams at the wide receiver position. But, man, you can really run down a list of guys between freshmen, Williams, even some guys we didn't really see all that much last year that we could see a good bit more of uh, in the upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, wide receiver, I think, is where the opportunity is the, uh, the biggest for some of these newcomers to, to make an impact. And, you know, we know what John Mechie brings to the table. He's going to be that number one receiver. And I think, again, like we just talked about, Slade Bolden is a player that uh, the coaching staff trusts. Uh, not only to come up and speak uh, to us on a regular basis, but to do his job on the field. And uh, I think he's going to be a part of the offense. But after that, there's a lot of guys competing. Um, you, you, you mentioned the guys that are returning that are still pretty new to the offense, just in terms of production and how much of the field they've seen. And, you know, Javon Baker, Treshawn Holden, um, you know, those are guys that I think are going to be in the mix. Uh, you know, Treshawn Holden is a guy that is one of Bryce Young's favorite targets. We saw that in the 8-8 game. I think he led all players in targets and receptions and yards. So, um, you know, I haven't necessarily heard just a ton about him this preseason. It's been more about the newcomers, and you would expect that, especially when they're playing well. But, uh, yeah, I I think it's going to be tough to keep Jameis Williams off the field. Um, You know, his speed is something that Alabama – wanted to add to this roster uh i mentioned it before where henry toa toa is a luxury to add to this defense and he's someone that's carving out a role too both as a contributor and as a leader but jameson williams after hearing from nick saban in the spring felt more like a necessity and i think he's gonna you know carve out a role on this team as a deep field threat and uh or downfield threat and i, I just yeah you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him in the starting lineup against miami uh come september 4th and you know th- these young guys too i mean they're doing well 
Jojo Earl is someone that caught a touchdown pass from, from Bryce Young uh, in the scrimmage. And that tells you he was getting some reps with the ones because I don't think Bryce has taken a single snap with the twos uh, dating back to the spring. And, um, you know, Ajay Hall is someone that I haven't heard a ton of uh, or turn about this, uh, this preseason. He's worked with the twos and the threes, but it sounds like all those young guys are really coming along. Christian Leary is someone like Jojo Earl that, that brings speed to the position from the slot. Um, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks, you know, made some nice plays in the scrimmage as well. So, yeah, I mean, wide receiver, when you just look at new guys is one where I think we could see multiple, uh, players, you know, kind of make an impact early on in the season. And man, when you have a Jalen Waddle type come into your offense and do what Waddle did over his three seasons in Tuscaloosa, it's hard not to want to employ another one of those kind of guys. And this isn't to say we're not going to blow out expectations for JoJo Earl and or Christian Leary. But because of that dynamic playmaking ability, the explosive plays that can come with easy touches, quick passing game, you can hand it off to these guys. Jet sweeps uh, the return game, as we've heard mentioned in association with JoJo Earl. Just difficult not to go ahead and get them involved. And understanding you've got some reliable Guys that you know you're going to go to in some critical situations, Slade Bolden, I think, qualifies from that perspective. But we've said it a ton of times here on the podcast with all the explosive plays that have moved on to the NFL with those receivers and even Najee Harris at the running back position. Uh, you're, you're going to you're going to continue to rep guys until you can find that mix, uh, identify those guys that can give you something, something along those same Line. So when we look at the offensive line, did we learn from last Saturday's scrimmage that maybe Kendall Randolph's a little bit more entrenched at right tackle than anyone had anticipated? Or is that still a situation that you consider to be very much up in the air? No, I mean, hearing from Nick Saban, um, you know, he was asked about Kendall Randolph specifically, and he did reveal that he sprained his ankle and wasn't able to finish the, the scrimmage. But, yeah, he had glowing remarks about Kendall Randolph. And really the the um, money quote, I guess you could say, is that last sentence. He said he's really a key to the development of this offensive line because of his, because of his experience. And we know that you know, Kendall Randolph has been a reserve. He's played guard. He's played tackle. But he's been that really six offensive lineman playing that pseudo tight end position and someone that's really carved out a role for himself uh, there. And we've seen, um, you know, him have to wear and bring two jerseys to games because he's going in as an extra blocking uh, offensive lineman in those situations. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people maybe view him as a, a placeholder, but it definitely, after hearing from Nick Saban and really just seeing how he's kind of held on to that right tackle spot since the spring, um, you know, he's, Proven to be more than that. And now, though, uh, with that sprained ankle, depending on how long that holds him out, it it, it begs the question of, you know, is, is this uh, an opportunity for a guy like J.C. Latham to step in? Because, you know, uh, we know that Evan Neal and, and Chris Owens uh, didn't scrimmage uh, this past weekend. You know, they were riding stationary bikes during warm-ups and, and watched from the sideline. Uh, and that means that Kendall Randolph kicked over from right tackle to left tackle. Well, with, who was at right tackle whenever that happened? It was J.C. Latham, the true freshman. And, um, you know, looking at some of the, the early pictures we've seen from today's practice on Tuesday afternoon, it looked like Latham was working right there beside Emil Ekior, uh during some drills. So 
Uh, I'm sure they mix things up. I think Damian George is still, you know, named to know there. We've seen a guy like Pierce Quick, um, you know, get some work at, at right tackle too, even though he's been playing some guard with the second team. But just in terms of new players, I think that, you know, J.C. Latham, you know, the, the doors open a little bit for him to maybe make a move in his next you know, couple weeks if, if Kendall Randolph's on the shelf for a while. As decorated as that 2021 offensive line class was, at this point, it feels as if Latham is the guy of that group. You really went tackle to tackle with that signing class, Jaden Roberts and Terrence Ferguson and the Brockermeyer brothers uh, to go along with J.C. Latham. Is it is it the same feeling to you? Right now that maybe those other guys, it's going to be more of potentially a developmental year, which is which is not uncommon. It is the, the typical of what happens with young offensive linemen. But is, is that the, what the sense you're getting right now with that group? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I agree. It's not an indictment on the, the freshmen. Um, you know, I, we saw where J.C. Latham, you know, kind of worked with the, the right tackles early on in the spring and then. You know, moved up to getting some second team reps. And you know, at that point, Tommy Brockermeyer was on the left side of the line. And, you know, he you know, got some second team reps in the spring, but right now he's been uh, that third team tackle. So it's been Evan Neal when he's been on the field. And then you have Amari Kite and then Tommy Brockermeyer. So, you know, and he's the other big name or the headliner from that class because those were two five star offensive tackles. I believe they were the top two tackles in the country. And, you know, people wonder just because we talk a lot about J.C. Latham. But, um, you know, Latham's been practicing at the position that's open. The rest of the four on the first team seem to be pretty set. We know Evan Neal is going to play left tackle. We know Emil Ekior is going to be at one of the guard spots. You know, Nick Saban basically said he expects Javion Cohen to be the starter at left guard. And then, you know, Chris Owen comes back for a sixth year, and he's a guy that's played a ton of reps at, at center. Uh, he can play elsewhere, but, you know, from right guard to left tackle seems set. So the one opening is at right tackle, and, and that's advantageous for, for J.C. Latham. He just happens to be the, the highest-ranked player from that group. But, you know, I, I think it also should be said that that second-team offensive line from guard to guard, that those three interior positions – the Alabama's got a good two deep there because got veterans even yeah. in there, right? You have Darian Dalcourt, um, who's likely the future at the center position. You have Pierce Quick now, who's healthy, who's been uh, working at one of those guard spots. Tommy Brown is someone when uh, Milekior was out in the spring. He's a guy that was working with that first team offensive line. He's a guard, and that's a good core um, interior for that second unit. And then. You know, you have Latham, you have George, you have Kite, maybe some Brockermeyer mixed in there. But, you know, that doesn't you know create a lot of opportunities for guys like James Brockermeyer or Terrence Ferguson or, or Jaden Roberts. Maybe it'll change. And if it does, that means that competition is great at those positions. But um, I think for Alabama to sign that offensive line class and to allow them to learn behind these players and to learn from a guy like Doug Marone, it's going to benefit them this year. They got a spring. They got a summer. And, uh, you know, with, with some guys probably moving on after – um, you know, this season, guys like Chris Owens and Evan Neal, there's going to be opportunities for them. You know, when you sign classes like Alabama did along the offensive line in 19 and 21, you're not going to be able to get everybody on the field with the first group. And even as we've talked about the 2020 offensive line class, it really goes untalked about. But Javion Cohen now projecting as a starter out of that class and Damian George in the mix. 
at a couple of spots. So uh, they've done a nice job in their identification and evaluation of, of legit offensive line prospects. But uh, it's showing up as much right now in the form of depth as probably anything else. What about Robbie Utes as a first-year guy at tight end? Now, we know they like to use at times three, maybe even four tight ends. There's also special teams to be taken into consideration because tight end certainly a feeder spot into the kicking game. You think we're going to see Robbie Utes this season? You know, it's it's interesting because I think he's probably the fourth tight end right now because, mm-hmm. um, well, I say that. I, I think Jaleel Billingsley is still working his way back up that pecking order. Um, you know, he's a guy that's been at the back of the line when we used to get to go out to practice. It's, <laughs> it's been a minute. But, um, you know, Cameron Latou and, and Major Tennyson have been the, the top two guys. And you, you got to think Billingsley will be in the mix, of course, and, and be that number one guy. But um, beyond that, yeah, I mean, Alabama has five scholarship tight ends. And the other two are, are true freshmen in um, Oots and, and Caden Clark. We haven't seen Caden Clark. He's a guy I know that obviously uh, was dealing with a knee injury. I think he did some things in the spring but you haven't seen or, or heard much from him this preseason so yeah i mean unless they go with a, a walk-on and they have a few of them um i, I think rob use is the fourth tight end now are they going to use four tight ends probably not um you know maybe he gets a look at like a fullback or something like that i think we maybe saw a little bit of that in the, the spring game or at least in the spring um and maybe that carries over i think he made a, a couple plays in the scrimmage this past weekend so i'm not out here projecting a breakout season for Robbie Oots, but um, you know, he's a big boy and I think he could definitely, you know, help them. And, and like you said, if, if nothing else, he's a reserve and a guy that's probably going to get uh, a role or two on special teams. He could be a guy out there on field goals or something like that. I just think that, you know, you, you want to get him more refined as a, as a pass catcher. And, and then you know what he brings to the table just from a size and blocking standpoint. So maybe he needs a little time, but you know, as the fourth tight end, somebody goes down, he's, he's next man up. Yeah. And you're blowing out teams like Kent state, right. And you go to your second group. If you're the fourth tight end, you're in that mix that puts you on the field more often than not. And I look at Robbie Utes and I think that's Tim Tebow. If he had played tight end all along, because this is a physically (laughs) impressive impressively looking dude and by the way r.i.p i guess to tim tebow's football career as he was released by our jacksonville jaguars earlier in the day but as sort of an extension of that something that you can draw a parallel from urban meyer said you know tim tebow just wasn't an option on special teams he couldn't tackle you know couldn't do some things that you have to do as a player at his position where special teams are involved and so you know, if Robbie Utes can do some of those things, I think that certainly enhances his possibilities of being on the field. I, I think we'll see him uh, again. I'm like Charlie, though. Do I think it's going to be in the first group or so? Maybe not. But, uh, you know, depth there, you, you can certainly work your way onto the field. Hey, Charlie, let's talk about the quarterback situation, because there was a lot of buzz coming out of spring practice. That look out. Jalen Milrow may not just be the guy that they're going to groom for the future perhaps, but he could be end up being the number two in 2021. Has some of that dissipated a little bit? Has Paul Tyson to his credit, maybe weathered some of that and asserted himself as the, the backup to Bryce young, or do you think there's still a possibility that even with a strong scrimmage on Saturday, that Jalen Milrow could still put himself very much in that mix? 
Yeah, I think Paul Tyson has, has done a good job of, of weathering the storm, like you said. Um, I think he's had a, a really strong offseason. Um, I, I think he's improved. And having said all that, it's it's clear that Bryce Young is still the number one quarterback. So, um, you know, there's not really any talk of, of quarterback competition. Uh, Nick Saban doesn't want to hear that, I'm sure. But it's been since day one of spring until now. And then until is not even the the right word through now and into the foreseeable future it's been young with the ones tyson with the twos and Milrow with the threes and i believe it was friday's practice which was um you know they had a, a morning walk through and then a late practice before that first scrimmage which is pretty rare i don't really remember that happening and if it was it wasn't you know a very you know difficult practice but this was a you know they went uh, pretty hard they went pretty long uh, a lot of plays and i think that uh, Tyson got some reps with the ones. And when I say some, I, I just mean a handful, a few and Miro got some reps with the twos. And really that was the first time I had heard that, uh, all off season long. It's been pretty consistent where they were. I think they, they like what they've seen from Jalen Miro. I still think he's kind of raw. Um, you know, as a passer, he's definitely uh, the most athletic quarterback out there. I think he could potentially be the best runner. Um, you know, you, you hate to make the comparison cause he's a, a quarterback named Jalen from the state of Texas, but he reminds you a lot of Jalen hurts and maybe not as refined as a passer coming out of high school. And some people will probably, you know, scoff at that, uh, comment, but I, I think that they see the potential in Jalen Milrow. Maybe he's more of a project and, you know, is more of a factor in the future, but yeah, it, for the most part, I think that. Paul Tyson's done enough to, to be the backup going into the season and things might change, but from everything I've heard, it's been pretty consistent all, all summer long, man, the parallels you can draw going into the season opener against Miami to 2016. You got a newcomer at quarterback from the state of Texas named Jalen. And then you've got a starter, a projected starter from the Cal from the state of California Except uh, I think Alabama fans are hoping for something a little bit more <laughs> in the way of shelf life from Bryce Young in comparison to, say, Blake Barnett. What about the running back position, Charlie? Uh, Kamar Wheaton comes in, obviously a five-star prospect, highly regarded. You think about his opportunities to maybe assert himself as a top three type option. Has that been a little bit of a roadblock that's been provided by this uh, play and this recovery of Trey Sanders, uh, or is it just more indicative of just the depth in general? And again, this isn't to say that Kamar Wheaton can't be a real factor in the near to immediate future, but uh, right now it seems like Trey Sanders has been more of the talk than just about anybody else in that room. Yeah, I mean, the depth of the running back position, even after losing Najee Harris and losing a couple of guys to transfer, it, it's still really impressive. And, uh, you know, Brian Robinson, um, has been the number one guy. Um, it's been great. I know we've said it before. It's worth saying again that to see Trey Sanders back out there, not only you know, doing stuff, but playing really well. I think he had a really good scrimmage, uh, this past weekend. And, um, you know, I know we caught a, about a 20 yard touchdown from Bryce Young in a two minute situation. So, uh, I think his ability to, uh, also, be a factor in the passing game is one of the the draws for him. Not only is he a good rusher, but you know, he can do a lot of what Najee Harris did just in terms of being a receiver and, you know, guys like Wendell Williams and Jason McClellan can do that too. Um, 
you know, if I had to, you know, guess right now, the top three running backs would be Brian Robinson, Trey Sanders, and Jace McClellan. And that's a hell of a one, two, three punch out of the backfield. But Kamar Wheaton's had a good summer. Um, you know, I heard a lot of good things about him, you know, heading into the preseason. Um, you know, it's a situation to where the running backs, for the most part, maybe not Brian Robinson, because he's more of a bigger back. You know, he and Najee were about the same size, so to speak. And especially when they had dreads, it was kind of hard to tell them apart on the field it's the same way for the other four they're all similar size and build and that that's a good thing for Kamar Wheaton because he's not looking like a freshman he's fitting in and uh, I think he's done some good things I didn't hear a lot about him in the scrimmage didn't hear really a lot about the running backs in general and we've talked about this you know they're they're grooming these quarterbacks to to get ready for the season and they a lot of the times it is a pass heavy uh situation but um I think Kamar Wheaton I think he'll play um Maybe not necessarily just a consistent first team role, but uh, you know he's a guy I don't think we'd, we'd see redshirt. He'll probably be um, you know used on special teams. Nick Saban mentioned him as a guy mm-hmm. that's back there returning kickoffs. Now he did mention all the other running backs, but he mentioned Kamar Wheaton by name, uh, Jamison Williams too. That's somewhere that Jamison Williams could also make an impact. But uh, I think we'll see twenty five on the field and. Um, I, I think that you know, he's a guy, he, he has a bright future. I think that Alabama fans will be looking forward to see him out on the field this fall. Yeah. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. It may not take that long because with everything and every one that Alabama returns from a season ago, opportunities going to be mm-hmm. tough to come by. So if you're being mentioned, even as a depth provider for this defense, it means you're an absolute dude. And that seems to be the place, more so probably at the linebacker and secondary levels, because we heard Dick Saban after last Saturday scrimmage talk about the defensive line depth and how they were able to roll right now seven or eight guys in with that first couple of units. And that sands LeBron Ray. So that tells you what the freshman defensive linemen are sort of up against, whether it's Anquin Barnes, Tim Keenan, Michael Goodwine, uh, Damon Payne. No rush being placed on their development. Alabama in a good spot up front. But at linebacker, uh, inside specifically, uh, you know, you look at that group and you just think, I I understand Deontay Lawson's a five-star type talent, but that's still going to be tough to push the two deep. And maybe if Shane Lee is good to go and full go and 100%, uh, it becomes even more difficult, but it, it sounds like Deontay is is already making that push, Charlie. No, yeah, I mean, um, you know, like we talked about, Shane Lee's a guy that you know, we didn't see him in our last media viewing period, and uh, he's been in a in a black jersey. And before that, he's really been probably that fourth inside linebacker. So the top two, um, for the most part, have been Christian Harris and Henry Toa Toa. And you know, Toa Toa is a newcomer too, and he's a guy that you know, has quickly carved out a role. I, I'm, I don't like to make statements like this, but he seems kind of destined to be similar to a Landon Dickerson on the defensive side of the ball, making an immediate impact and being a leader. And uh, again, that's that's impressive coming into what Alabama had at the, the linebacker position. But uh, he's a guy that has experience and, um, you know, they need some of that leadership on that side of the football. I think guys like Phil Mathis, Christian Harris, Chris Allen, even Will Anderson is a young guy, Jordan Battle. They can provide that, but Henry Toa Toa also helps. And um, But it's been Harris and Toa Toa for the most part. I think Jalen Moody has been sprinkled in there. And at one point, there was kind of a three-man rotation with the ones with Moody in there with Harris and Toa Toa. But 
when healthy, Shane Lee has been, you know, right there with, with Jalen Moody. And um, with that not being the case, it was Deontay Lawson and Moody with the twos in the scrimmage on Saturday. And, uh, you know, when, when we saw uh, back in the spring when Toa Toa wasn't on campus and Christian Harris didn't play in the spring game, I think Shane Lee was out too. The the, the linebackers with the first team were Jalen Moody and Deontay Lawson. And I think Deontay Lawson, I don't want to say like I'm just, you know, floored or surprised by it, but he's come in and, and been impressive. And if it is a situation to where, you know, they say in the hypothetical situation, which, you know, sorry, Nick Saban, if you're listening to this, but they don't add Henry Toa Toa then Deontay Lawson really might be pushing for a first-team role mm-hmm. as a true freshman. But the depth there, like you said, really throughout the defense, but especially up front, um, is just is crazy. And to say that he's a guy that he was knocking on, you know, carving out a second-team role, it, it says a lot about him, I think. Yeah, and similar at the outside spots where you bring in a couple of three talented guys, certainly Dallas Turner at the top of that list, it's a five-star. You look at him as we have – when we had the media viewing periods, you could really see where this guy isn't far away physically at all from being able to help. Now, when you've got Christopher Allen and Will Anderson, there's not a big rush on that need. Um, Keanu Coot also in that mix. Uh, you know, but then you consider the depth there. Yes, you have Anderson and you have Allen, but I think Drew Sanders still has to show that he can rush the passer effectively on a consistent basis. Keem Wakuda coming back for fall camp, uh, not heading elsewhere as it was anticipated there for a while. That certainly helps your depth numbers there. But I guess other than Chris Braswell emerging, as we saw in the spring, I think there's still an opportunity for a young pass rusher or two when we talk about depth there at outside linebacker. Yeah, I think it, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that works itself out because I don't think it's necessarily as defined as the inside linebacker position. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Dallas Turner, I, I spoke to him before he got on campus, and you know, those guys seeing what Will Anderson did last year as a true freshman, um, you know, they're like, why can't I do that? And uh, they they definitely looked apart, especially Turner. Um, you know, he's a guy that uh, you can go out there and in that group, you you notice him. And, um, I think I agree with you. I think, you know, Drew Sanders, um, you know, needs to be a bit more consistent, but right now he's the number three outside linebacker and he was that last year. Uh, you know, he was a guy that was really the first one off the bench. And, uh, I think that says, you know, the, the potential that the coaching staff sees in him, uh, you know, King Matakuda didn't transfer elsewhere. He, I think his name might still be in the portal, but that's just a formality at this point. And you know, he's probably the number four, but, and well, and I think that's probably a toss up with Chris Braswell because he did have a really good spring. Um, but then, you know, you have Q Robinson and, and those young guys, and that that's going to be interesting to see if maybe they can, they can beat out a, um, a Makuda or a Braswell for, for a role. So that, um, you know, it's it's a situation where, you know, <laughs> this Saturday will be interesting to see how it plays out because, you know, just like last preseason, um, Allen and Anderson are, are making life hard for those offensive linemen and those quarterbacks. And, you know, maybe they call off the dogs a little bit and give those younger guys an opportunity. That'll be that'll be something I think that'll be uh, you know pretty intriguing to see how it plays out this weekend. Corner secondary, you can combine some guys there. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, 
a lot of heat, a lot of juice involving him back in the spring, coming out of spring, going into fall camp. Uh, Terry and Arnold comes in as a summer enrollee. Both these guys, from everything we understand, continue to show a lot of promise. But is it enough going into the second and final scrimmage of fall camp to maybe position themselves in a way in which they're at least in that next guy up category if something is to happen as to a starter and they're not one of those two guys at the corner positions yeah i think corner for me um is the most fascinating for the newcomers just because you know josh job's going to be a starter uh jalen armor davis hasn't really done anything to uh, lose that spot with the first team uh, i think he's been you know playing really well and someone i think that the nick saban and the coaching staff are glad to see healthy and on the field and um you know but beyond that the the twos are are just really interesting because you know kool-aid's been pretty consistent in terms of playing with that second unit and there's been almost more of a rotation at that spot opposite him between guys like marcus banks who i think the coaching staff is still high on but then you know some other newcomers and terry arnold who you talked about and and Kyrie jackson the, the junior college transfer so yeah, the, the the competition for that second group and maybe even that uh, starting spot opposite Josh Job, it'll be, you know, um, kind of interesting to see how it, it plays out because Terry Nardle had a good scrimmage this past weekend. He picked off Bryce Young and, you know, Nick Saban talked about him because he's a guy that was a safety uh, in, in high school. He's, he's a versatile player. He can play offense. He can play. Um, hell he can play basketball he's an athlete so he can move around but there's a little bit of an adjustment period and um you know he's been you know making progress and uh his athleticism has been on display so i I think arnold and mckinstry are the future of the position but you know can they do enough to to challenge those older guys who who came in together and have uh played really well this offseason that that remains to be seen and who knows, the kicking game may be the place where the most con- important contribution is made. James Burnup, the Australian vying for that punting position, that vacancy there, along with Jack Martin, the transfer from Troy, Ty Pirine, a program veteran at this point, apparently uh, fall camp invitee also in that mix. Um, who knows, it may end up being a guy from down under that we end up talking about the most when it comes to the newcomers in 2021, Charlie. Yeah. I mean, um, I think he's listed as a redshirt freshman, which is kind of odd, but, um, you know, Nick Saban talked about him. We, we talked about it before, just his comment about how they didn't bring him in to play football. They brought him in to punt. Um, but you know, he and Jack Martin, um, were brought in for a reason, you know, Alabama hasn't been satisfied with what they've been able to do from a punting standpoint, the last couple of years. And, um, you know, Ty Piran's a guy that you know, he has the leg. We've seen it, but can he do it on a consistent basis? You know, that remains to be seen. And, um, you know, it's the it's one of the f- final feathers in, in Nick Saban's recruiting cap getting that Australian punter on campus. But I wouldn't sleep on Jack Martin. Um, you know, he's a guy that's uh, been a contributor at the college level already. You know, he had a really good season for Troy and then uh, chose to transfer to Alabama. And he's also someone that can kick field goals. I don't think there's a competition for Will Reichard, but you know that's something nice to have in your back pocket. Maybe he's someone that uh, handles some kickoffs and, and takes some pressure off of Will Reichard and 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure Alabama fans would, would like that, but yeah, it's a, it's a situation to where you're, you're right. I mean, the, the path to the field for one of these newcomers outside of, I guess, Henry Toa Toa and, and Jamison Williams, uh, punter seems like it might be, um, you know, the easiest with a couple of guys buying for a spot there. Nice value in Jack Martin, even if he isn't your starter and placements or punting, you can take him on your road trips and he can back up both spots. So instead mm-hmm. of taking a backup punter and a backup kicker, you take a guy like Jack Martin and that frees you up for an extra travel player there. Uh, when you start trying to work those, those numbers, well, Charlie, I think we pretty much went around the horn. Did we miss anything, Charlie? No, uh, I think we got all the newcomers. Um, you know, there's a lot of new coaches. There's a lot of new faces. Um, we won't get to see him on a regular basis at practice, but the season's <laughs> coming up here pretty soon, and we'll get to see him in Atlanta. Well, we always appreciate your help here on the podcast, Charlie. Always great stuff with us there at BamaOnline.com. Practice reports or no practice reports? Troublemaking Charlie Potter. He's our guy at BOL. Maybe we got a new nickname for Charlie. We'll have to see. Hey, Charlie, thanks, man. We'll do it again soon. No problem, man. Always good to catch up. There he goes, Charlie Potter. I'm Travis Ryder. Thanking you once again for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. Be sure to post up with us there on the roundtable, the message board choice of Alabama football fans, Alabama athletics fans around the world. We'll do it again real soon right here on the Bama Online Podcast. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever, and this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best the Challenge All-Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.